Are you ready to free the body and free the soul? Join Dr. David, the cutting edge doc, as he guides us on today's journey. Here's Dr. David. Welcome, friends. Welcome to another edition of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. I'm your host, Dr. David, the Cutting Edge Doc, and here on Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul, we do in-depth interviews with individuals that are doing cutting-edge work in the areas of healing or spirituality or social transformation. As usual, I'm very excited about today's show. As you know, if you've been watching me or listening to me for a while, I don't I'm not tied down to a particular schedule for producing these shows, so that gives me the freedom to only do a show when I'm really excited about it and really moved to do a show. So today I'm going to be speaking with, excuse me, with a gentleman I've known for many years, James Mask. is it pronounced Maskell or Mascal? Maskell. Maskell. And uh, I've always been impressed with James... uh, entrepreneurial spirit and also his ability to organize and motivate people and and catalyze community and also as a marketer to have his uh, pulse on kind of what people are ready for as a next step and yet at the same time holding a big vision. So before we get into it, I had asked James to send me a written uh, brief bio that I'm going to read to you now. So, with the soul of an advocate and the mind of an entrepreneur, James Maskell has spent the past decade innovating at the cross-section of functional medicine and community. To that end, he created the Functional Forum, the world's largest integrative medicine conference with record-setting participation online and growing physician communities around the world. His organization and best-selling book of the same name, Evolution of Medicine, prepares health professionals for this new era of predictive, preventive medicine. He's an in-demand speaker and impresario being featured on TedMed, HuffPost Live, and TEDx, as well as lecturing internationally. He now lives in Sacramento, California with his wife and daughter. So once again, James, welcome to Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. Great to be with you here, David. It's been a long way since we first met. Yes, but uh, the, uh, the vision has never changed. Totally. So let's get right into it. So just to give a little context, uh, a little bit about me, for those of you who don't know me, I'm a holistic chiropractor and an ontological coach. I've been in private practice for 32 years in California. So one of the things I want to bring to this conversation is kind of a historical perspective as a practicing holistic doctor, how much more challenging it is, excuse me, in 2019 as we're recording this to help people to really reach a state of high level wellness the uh, the stress level and the number of stressors that people are under combined with the compromise in the food supply especially um, has contributed to a situation where the where what is considered normal now in society is in my opinion 
a fairly low level of health where people are in a chronic stress mode without knowing that they're in a chronic stress mode, kind of like a fish to the water. And there's very little healing that can happen until you can help somebody to shift from that stress mode to a relaxed healing mode where learning is possible. So, um, so I, I just want to bring to the conversation the challenge of being uh, a doctor in the United States in today's world who's actually committed to producing results uh, and still um, speaking to the level of consciousness where people are and to attempt to make a good living to support one's family in a um, in an economic medical model that uh, rewards things that don't necessarily have anything to do with high-level wellness. So uh, I want to sort of introduce the possibility that we're really talking in many ways about a version of the hero's journey, that it takes a tremendous commitment uh, and set of skills to be able to be viable and effective um, and to not only have good stuff, but to be able to innovate in your communities so that your communities can relate to you and they will adopt the practices that need to be adopted in order to um, bring forth high-level wellness because it's not something that can be done in a 10-minute office visit. It's not something that can be done with just a pill or just cutting something out or just irradiating something or even taking a particular isolated vitamin or herb. So there's a whole paradigm shift. There's a whole issue of behavioral change involved. There's economics involved. It's, we're talking about um, a lot of factors. And then when you're doing what James is doing, where he's focusing a lot on physicians, um, uh, medical doctors, osteopaths, nurse, nurse, nurse practitioners that have been educated into an allopathic model and have been are pretty much locked into third-party payment. That's a whole other ballgame, too. So we're talking about a very complex situation to help um, doctors and the public to begin to shift over more fully into embracing a wellness model. And so um, I wanted to just say those things as an opening, some opening comments. Is there anything you want to say either in opening or playing off anything that I said before we get into specific topics? Yeah, look, uh, you know, I spent the last six years really focused on helping doctors to, you know, to sort of break out of the system and to you know find ways to be able to actually create health in their patients to facilitate real health creation just like you said and you know that has grown and become more popular and and it's kind of become cool to be a functional medicine doctor and that's been very exciting <laughs> but i guess uh you know at the same time as all that's happened you know we the the health of the society has gone backwards you know so it's it's ne it was a necessary first step but it wasn't sufficient to solve the problem and you know that's really had me 
you know, for the last few years, started to think about what is a real solution? Like what could be a way to do this at any kind of scale that could, you know, tip the balance uh, back towards people on average being healthier and so forth. And so that's sort of the next, um, the next phase here. What are you finding are some of the critical elements? You know, like when I was, when I was making some notes for this conversation, some things came to my mind, like the opportunity and the pitfalls of using technology to leverage results, the pitfalls and opportunities of using groups, when to use groups, when not to use groups. Obviously, anybody who's been a part of groups knows that it's a very delicate game and one bad apple can spoil the whole bunch there. So there's a whole issue there. I was thinking about um, the role of health coaches to assist with behavioral change and to uh, increase customer service levels with patients and to help bring down the costs. Um, uh, different pricing models other than just paying per visit comes to my mind. Um, and then thinking about functional medicine in general, um, I see some tremendously valuable things about the functional medical medicine model. And then there's some areas where I have some concerns. We can talk about that if we have time. And uh, those were some things that came to my mind. Um, you know, in Buddhism, there's an old saying that, you know, the path can be very challenging at times and, there's this old saying that when things get tough, there's really three places you can take refuge. And in, in, in Buddhism, they talk about the Buddha and the Dharma and the Sangha. And the, the Buddha would correspond in this co context to the teacher or the guide. And the Dharma would, be, would correspond to information that truly is accurate, that's grounded in reality, that's testable, that's workable. And the Sangha refers to the community of fellow travelers on the path. And we are social creatures and anyone who studied behavioral change or even, yeah, behavioral change knows the importance of a supportive community. And so these are all things that come to my mind and I'm sure things that you've thought a lot about in terms of clarifying your own thinking and also wanting to empower health practitioners on their journey. So I just wanted to throw those out there and give you a chance to run with it and take any of those topics that interest you in any particular order and just so we can have a conversation. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, you've thrown out six topics that by themselves could all be in our discussion. Um, I don't really know exactly how to coordinate them, but I'll, I'll give it a go. So, you know, ultimately, yeah, as I said, for the last six years, trying to help doctors practicing this type of um, medicine to, you know, to be able to help more people, right? The goal here, let's take a step back, right? The goal is the radical transformation of consciousness on the planet, right? And if you think, how is that best done? You know, there is something very special that happens when people get into contact with an empathetic practitioner, right? The best definition that I've heard of, of consciousness creation is 
people taking action from a news story, right? So there's a news story about their health and there is a news story in health. And I want to introduce a word that maybe your, your listeners um, may not have heard before, but it's called salutogenesis. Now, the medical system is based in what we call pathogenesis, right? Where everything is built around diseases, the billing codes, what practitioners you see, how medicine is created, because medicine was created in an era where, where disease was the focus. And so everything was like built around, around disease. And ultimately, what people have come to learn over the last 40 years, salutogenesis was coined in 1977 or 79, but that ultimately that there's a different way of looking at chronic disease specifically, which is that you should just help people to activate healthy behaviors. And if you, you know, eat healthy, if you deal with your stress effectively, if you sleep well, if you exercise well, if you take care of like the function of the body then that's a much better way long-term of dealing with chronic disease rather than long-term use of medication that essentially just inflates cost and doesn't actually get anyone better and leads to a point in society for the first time in human history where life expectancy has gone down. We're approaching $4 trillion in cost. Like there's nothing working in the medium term about the system. So then the question is, how do you retool a whole system that's been created around one concept, which is a disease fear-based system, which made sense in an era where the, be the most likely way that you would die would be from an infection that no one really understood, to a salutogenesis, a health-based system that's about health and creation and facilitating healthy behaviors. So for a long time for me, it was about educating doctors to make the switch across and understand you know, this new model of care. But ultimately, um, in this next phase, we're really taking it to the people because, you know, yes, it makes sense for the solutions to be built inside the medical system because sick people end up there and also because lonely people end up there. And there's already kind of budget assigned for medical care. But ultimately, if we really want the kind of exponential transformation that is necessary to solve the problem, you know, health needs to be de-docked from the medical system altogether because the medical system wasn't trained how to do it, doesn't know how to do it, and can't retool quickly enough to deliver salutogenesis efficiently. So that's kind of like the, the overriding thesis. And so, you know, the focus of my work moving forward from now and the next book that I have coming out in uh, January 14th, it's called The Community Cure, transforming health outcomes together. And it's really focusing on the incredible success that is happening at scale with treating people in groups. And the reason why groups are powerful is one, that loneliness is a leading cause of that stress that you're talking about. Social stress, social isolation is a leading cause of that stress. And secondly, in groups, people have the infrastructure to consistently apply the healthy behaviors that is very hard to do in isolation too. So that's kind of the rolling thesis. And the goal of this next book is to kind of alert everyone to the incredible success in the group format and to help both people who want to be involved in groups and health systems that want to deliver medicine in groups to be able to do that. 
one thing that you didn't mention about the advantage of groups is that I believe it can reduce overhaul healthcare costs per individual. Yeah, look, I mean, there's, there's many reasons why groups is, is really exciting. You know, saving money is a goal for some medical institutions, right? So the Dean Ornish protocol, right, for heart disease saves X number of dollars, you know, for everyone that takes it. It's a group structure and it's been shown that it can reverse heart disease in groups, but it's all delivered in groups. But the truth is, David, most people in healthcare don't want to save money. They want to make money. Hospitals, medical systems, practices, all these kind of things. And the unique thing about the group model is that it saves money and it makes money. Because ultimately, if you are a practitioner and you have 16 people in your office and you're treating them together and you're billing everyone's insurance for like a 15-minute visit, but there's 16 of them and you're doing it in 90 minutes, the patient wins because they're getting 90 minutes when they're only being billed for 15. The practice wins because they're billing 16 people at a time. And overall, it wins because, you know, because the costs, people get better. And so the associated costs go down. So it's super unlikely to have like a solution that's that elegant, that doesn't require tons more research, that doesn't require, you know, um, you know, a 15-year trajectory to get approved through the FDA. It's available. Everyone can start doing it inside the medical system and outside. And so, um, yeah, pretty, I'm pretty excited to uh, see what happens as, uh, as we connect people to these ideas. I was thinking about people that are, either outside the insurance game or have a very high deductible who are going to be paying mostly out of pocket um, unless they're real wealthy. Um, if they really want to reach high levels of wellness, I was thinking more in that context that the, that the reduction in cost for those people that are paying mostly out of their pocket uh, could be really significant as well as the attraction for institutions. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let me give you an example of that in the book. So, you know, we've worked over the last five years to take a lot of doctors from being employees of a hospital to having their own, you know, micro practice, like a functional medicine practice where they see people. So there's a doctor in our group, Dr. Lara Salia. She's based out of, um, you know, in Wisconsin, rural Wisconsin, mm. the cheese capital of the country. And she, you know, uh, is helping people get better. And, but she charges cash, right? Because she can't do 90 minute visits uh, on insurance. So she has a cash practice. So it's a 90 minute uh, initial visit to do the deep dive or whatever times her, you know, hourly rate, you end up with kind of like a big chunk. You know, it's hard to get in to see her if you're, you know, if you don't have $500 or whatever to get started. So, you know, she created this group model where she has 18 people come a couple times a, a month. Um, she does it, 18 people come. And in that, one of the, the slowest parts and the, the sort of most inefficient parts of delivering <clears throat> a kind of a lifestyle first medicine, whatever name you want to call it, is you, or a root cause approach, is you have to spend, you know, a long time getting into people's health history, right? People have to be, have to be heard. They actually have to really understand how they got there. Like in the medical system, you get diagnosed with lupus. You have no idea how that happened, right? What happened? 
how did I suddenly get lupus? Like what, what, tell me where, like I didn't have lupus and now I have lupus, like what happened in between? And so ultimately, you know, there's a really profound way of doing that, which is to trace back your timeline, look at like the antecedents, the triggers, the mediators, look how the body breaks down over time. But typically that's done one-on-one -on -one and it costs a lot to go through that while a doctor's sitting there. So yes, we've had ideas of how technology could do the intaking over time and there's some technologies for that. Maybe the health coach does the intake because that reduces the cost. But what about getting 18 people who all wanna do that in a room, charging $30 and having them go through the process and at the one, as they're filling out their own chart, right? They, you know, they start to have aha moments too. As people ask questions about the chart and their own health history, it brings aha moments to everyone. And three, at the end of it, they leave with like a customized food plan that, you know, that is relates to their specific, you know, situation. And ultimately for $30, they now have access to this operating system to this way of really understanding health and a big part of of salutogenesis is really understanding how you got from there to here so there's some innovation in the cash model you know in the in the in the insurance model like you could go into one of these group visits and you have high deductible insurance and then you end up paying the sort of like the insurance rate which could be you know two hundred dollars and yet the doctor would be happy to take $30 cash, but because of the mess that the system is, they can't just charge you cash if they're like contracted to Medicare or whatever. And so, you know, so ultimately there's a lot of innovation happening in the cash market because, you know, a lot of people are, you know, that's where doctors can have the least red tape and that's where patients can go and really like find value. Let's talk some more about, your thoughts about the opportunity and the potential pitfalls of uh, integrating technology more fully in these kinds of practices and also integrating health coaches. Yeah, so, I mean, health coaches to me, I don't see many pitfalls. Um, I see that you know, the, the coach is really there to implement the plan that's come up with between the patient and the doctor. I think like, you know, I've been very bullish on health coaches. I think, you know, the, the, if we understand that behavior is like the leading cause of disease, we need to change behavior. Health coaches are trained in motivational interviewing in you know, helping people think through, helping people actually actualize a plan, right? You go to a doctor, they tell you, oh, you've got to eat this healthy diet you know, to, to create a healthy diet or healthy food in your house, most people don't know how to cook, right? Most people don't know how to get, you know, if you, if the end goal is a healthy meal that starts upstream with like buying different things in the supermarket and cooking in a different way. So all of those steps need to be thought through and thinking all that through with a doctor is kind of like, you know, it is, is kind of a waste of everyone's time. So I'm very bullish on health coaches. The only downside risk, I guess, is like, you know, is, is, is just sort of like what, if the health coach is just sort of doing whatever they want, you know, then you, you want to have the, you want to have some sort of medical oversight in that process. With technology, you know, again, tons of benefits, like we're seeing like telemedicine, 
you know, you know, like we're speaking now, like it's kind of like we're in the same room together. The loss of value between us being in the same room together and that is not that much. There is some loss, but like there's some efficiency gains, super efficiency gains. Like I didn't have to drive down to, uh, you know, to the Bay Area to do this interview. We can do it like this. So there's a lot of value uh, on that. You know, technology like remote patient monitoring, right? Being able to see how patients are doing in real time when they're in their home, like those kind of things are, are, are cool and interesting. But, you know, technology is, is fraught with danger. You know, on one hand, you have like, you know, what is the technology doing to you? There's a whole conversation now about 5G. I just saw Scientific American today came out with a blog saying like, they're not sure, like there's no proof that 5G is safe, right? That's Scientific American saying that. This is not like a conspiracy theory. This is just people saying like, hey, we have no idea. This is a huge experiment that's happening. So there's those kind of concerns, but also the concerns of like, well, why is everyone so isolated? Why are we living in this, you know, world where we're quote unquote, helplessly independent? right? We're independent. We don't need anything from anyone. We can get Amazon to deliver anything to our house. We don't even need to leave the house. We don't need our neighbors for sure. But we're also kind of dependent on these strangers on the other side of the world to like make sure that all of our stuff can arrive in our house. So, you know, technology, whether through the industrial revolution first, and now through the technology revolution has led us to a point where we are, you know, where we're so independent, but we're really helpless. And ultimately, that's, that's a really, you know, sad, sad situation, too. So, you know, technology has a lot of potential, but also it's kind of got us to a point where com- the death of community and that death of community shows itself in health outcomes, shows itself in everyone being poor, because, you know, you have to, you know, like, just think about all the things that used to be free in community that now you have to pay for childcare elder care, grief counseling, like these things were not professions. They were just done by your neighbors and and your supportive community. Now these things are all professionalized. And so you have to pay all these different people and there's just not enough money to go around. I hear you. So uh, I'd like to shift the conversation a little bit to talking about functional medicine per se. And, uh, I think it is a very important model in terms of getting away from the allopathic model of you, you, you pigeonhole somebody into a disease and you treat the disease as opposed to treating the person. Whereas in functional medicine, we evaluate the function of different organs and systems and cells. And then we use our clinical judgment to make interventions. Um, I think it's a more powerful model for most non-emergency situations. Um, But I've had some concerns about functional medicine and want to bring them up and get your thoughts. One is that a lot of functional medicine practitioners and practices I know do a lot of expensive laboratory testing and there has to be follow-up and this and that and it pretty much prices most people out of the market. Um, So I have some concerns about that. Uh, Another concern I have is that even though I know a lot of functional medicine practitioners pay lip service to the importance of metaphysical factors in wellness, 
most functional medicine practitioners are not trained to address the psychological, philosophical, ontological, metaphysical domains. Um, and the fact that the body is so dynamic that, um, you know, even these functional tests are a snapshot in time. And, uh, and for various reasons, people a lot of times can only get tested every two months, every four months, every six months. And so I question the power of that model in terms of is it dynamic enough and is it cost effective enough? And as you know, I'm part of a smaller sort of more fringe group of practitioners that uh, are, are informed by the functional medical model, but we use a lot of energetic forms of analysis that are much more real time and much less expensive that we also use to inform our decision-making and our practicing, but it's not, we're, we're the outliers. We're not the common way that functional medicine is practiced. And so those are some of the concerns I have about functional medicine. And I'd love to get your take on anything that I said there. Well, look, first of all, you have to separate out the energy and the form, right? So like, the Catholic church, you know, maybe some of the teachings are empowering and valuable, but in form, it's a bunch of, you know, priests fiddling with kids, right? It's not <laughs> the same thing, right? So, you know, so look, functional medicine, you know, look at what is the, what is functional medicine really, right? It's a way of setting out a case to understand how people lost their function between being well and getting to being sick. So you have the timeline, you understand like the antecedents, triggers and mediators, you look at the like lifestyle factors and you show how the seven core processes of the body break down over time. That is a transformational concept. That is a way that you can understand the body through a completely different lens. It's an operating system where everyone does it the same. This is the structure by which we can scale up salutogenesis to everyone. Now, how is functional medicine being practiced by doctors on the ground today? All different ways, right? All different ways is being done. And like, I understand what you're saying, you know, with, with supplements and labs. And, and one of my goals with my book is to reorient the whole industry to the fact that functional medicine is not expensive labs and supplements. It's an operating system of medicine based on function. Now, do functional medicine doctors tend towards expensive labs and supplements? You have to think about the word expensive, right? Because Humira, which is a drug for autoimmune disease, costs $5,000 a month. So in context to Humira, it's not expensive. But in con because you have to pay out of pocket, right. It's, right, it's expensive. So, you know, the truth is, what most people, let me give you an example of this group to show you, right? So the Cleveland Clinic for Center for Functional Medicine, Mark Hyman, who's the, probably the exact example of you think about when you say supplements and whatever, like he's the most famous guy. He goes to work at the Cleveland Clinic. And guess what? Everyone wants to go and see these doctors trained in functional medicine at this storied medical institution. So the waiting list, it opens in 2014 and the waiting list just is massive. So they're like, well, what are we going to do about this? So what they do is they come up with a program, and I talk about this in my book, called Functioning for Life. 
And Functioning for Life is a 10-week group program, two hours a week for 10 weeks, run by physicians, assistants, dietitians, and health coaches, where in 10 weeks, you learn to take care of your body, you learn how it operates, you learn food, you learn you know, um, uh, meditation, you learn exercise, you learn the physiology of the body, you learn everything that you need in those 10 weeks. And what they do is they dangle like Mark Hyman at the end of that. Like, you want to see one of these doctors? You have to come through this process first. Well, guess what? Once you have a community of supportive peers, right? And once you understand how to make your body work and you follow that, 50% at least of the people that come through that never need the doctor on the other side because they're just better. Now, if any one of those patients had gone to one of the functional medicine doctors that you're talking about here, they may have gone through a lot of testing. They may have gone through a whole supplement regime, but what they really needed was one to send the body, body a signal of safety. And the quickest way to send a body a signal of safety is to be part of a community right? To, to be able to like reduce stress because now you're in a community of peers. So they got that right. And you need to know how the body functions. Just like you said earlier, we are in a obesogenic environment, right? In Sacramento, I moved to, it's hard to be fit. You drive everywhere, you know, like, you know, you know what it's like. Like I lived in New York and Venice beach, California before this, where I just walked everywhere and it was, you know, it was a very different world, but this is, I can see what it's like to be in the rest of America where it's hard to, you know, where it's hard to be healthy because you have to make good choices and there's a million drive-throughs like everywhere around my house. Right. So, so, you know, that's, you have to learn how to deal with this, you know, stressful environment, obesogenic environment, Um, you know, an environment where it's normal not to sleep for eight hours a night, you know, in the way that it has been and people, you know, people chase after whatever and go that those different directions. So (coughs) in that way, functional medicine is being delivered in a totally different way. It's available on insurance. It's completely affordable. It doesn't need doctors. And guess what? Those practitioners that are running those functioning for life groups they didn't need a five-year education for another $100,000 on how the intricacies of functional medicine. They just picked up the material and in a few weeks, six weeks, they're ready to do it. So I hear what you're saying and I like it. And look, you know me, like I came from energy medicine. So I love it. The fact that energy modalities might be a way because it is way cheaper. But I think, you know, that medicine is right on the precipice, but it's, it's another five to 10 years out before that comes in because we can't ever get there if we don't really understand systems biology, right? right? If we think that the body is just like an uninterconnected, different organs doing their own thing and not connected at all, we're never going to be able to understand the intricacies of energy medicine. So my feeling is this is a necessary like step from where we've been to where we're going. And ultimately groups is going to be the way that the vast majority of disempowered people in America, the 70% of people that can never afford to come into your office or the functional medicine doctor's office, get access to this salutogenic lifestyle first root cause approach. You know, I love what you said there. There are a couple of things I want to highlight because I got excited and I think they're so powerful. And one is um, you were talking about, the importance of safety and the relationship between safety and community. And I love this phrase you mentioned, and it hit me so hard. I thought it would be a good title for a book, uh, Signals of Safety. 
Yeah. Um, it, it plays into my opening comment about when I mentioned that it's so much harder now to help sick people get well because they're in a chronic stress mode that occurs to them as normal. Uh, it plays right into that key idea there. So I wanted to underscore that. And also, I wanted to say that I totally agree with you about the power and the viability of what they're doing at the Cleveland Clinic because, um, you know, people come into my office and, of course, we all get each other's failures, right? So, so we have to take that into account. But a lot of times someone comes into my office who's seen one or more functional medicine practitioners and they're bringing me a bag full of supplements. And a lot of those supplements, it turns out, are certainly energetically incompatible. And the other thing is that I've often thought that if people were put on a kind of uh, intelligent wellness program for eight to 12 weeks prior to a detailed uh, investigation by the doctor, that the number of things they would need would be cut at least in half. And so I'm right with you there. And uh, I think those are two really powerful ideas and of course, quality control is always an issue. So making sure that the people, the non-doctors that are leading those, um, those initial eight to 12 week group experiences, even though they don't need to be doctors, they need to be very well trained. And Well, let me ask you about this, David, because I, I wanna throw a spanner in the works here. I'm of the opinion, having done all this, that the only way that we can turn this ship around is to take health creation or salutogenesis out of the clutches of medical medicine altogether. Right. Let me ask you this, the downside risk of someone taking the wrong antibiotic of the wrong drug for a very acute condition is massive. You could die. Right. So it makes total sense for a, you know, for it to be a licensed profession and to only let certain people do it have, who, who have hit certain rigorous training standards. But when you're talking about like that, what is the downside risk of someone doing meditation 10% wrong? Or like eating a diet that's not 100% healthy, but only 90% healthy. Like the downside risk of that is very, very small. And ultimately, we can't both be like offended that the system isn't taking on health creation and also demand that only a very small subset of professionals can do it. Like look at the naturopathic doctors. They've had it right all along. Their salutogenesis is dead on, right? They're, they're backed in that. The, the, um, the, the therapeutic order is bang on. There's only 6,000 of them, right? They can't change the world. Right. Even if they, there's not enough, they can't change through through those systems. So we need way more people to be involved. And ultimately, you know, the, part of the reason why we are where we are is because the professionalization of health and it all being based in disease led us to a point where people don't even think that they have agency over their own body and they think that the doctor is going to save them. And ultimately, part of the challenge in my book is to is to say, hey, if we want an exponential transformation, 
right? You can't have an exponential transformation in a system that changes 10% a year. And so ultimately, you know, I, I think, I think you're right, but I also think like getting a big group of people together, you know, getting them to talk to each other, empowering them with good information about health and so forth, it, not as much can go wrong as like an emergency room. I agree. I think the issue is um, appropriate boundaries and um, you know, I've seen damage done by people that think they know more than they know. I've seen that a lot. So that's something that influences where I'm coming from. Um, uh, I don't know if this answers your question regarding where I'm at with it, but um, this might be some part of it and we can continue the discussion. Uh, my vision when I'm practicing is the kind of clinic or, 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 or healthcare center I would like to practice in and be a part of is one where 80% of the stuff can be handled by non-doctors. And the doctors can focus on the 20%. But the key is somebody needs to be able to make that call. Yeah. Well, let me, let me share with you the vision that we have at the end of the book, because I think it plays, I think we, we see very uh, aligned, David. So, you know, in the, in the last chapter, I talk about, look, we're moving from an era of the pyramid to the era of the circle, right? So in, in the last model, I have these like, essentially like, the five C's and I, I could tell you about that, but I, I, let's just take the pyramid analogy for a minute. Right? So the, the bottom of the pyramid has got to be like facilitating the healthy behaviors. Right. And if you look at like the naturopathic therapeutic order, that basically just postulates that you use the least costly, least invasive method method first, and then you move up towards the higher force interventions. Right. So the bottom is the social determinants of health. And ultimately that is best delivered in a group. Then you have to like actually activate the healing mechanism of the body. Now, again, that could be done in a group. Imagine like acupuncture, right? Acupuncture is awesome, but it's also kind of unaffordable in the way that it's delivered one-on-one. -on -one. But an acupuncture group where people sit in a corner and do ear acupuncture, first of all, the cost of the acupuncturist is defrayed by 16 people because they can go around and stick it all in the ear and then tweak it as they go around. Second, people are getting value from the interaction itself. It's not just 16 people have an individual treatment. They're engaging and, and, and doing that. So then the next, so that, that's the bottom layers like that. Now it's having like, we have to, um, you know, we have to build function again, could be done in a group, right? You could have groups where you meet and you talk about there are functional medicine groups that have been delivered where the goal is getting off medication. And so it's like tapering together and, you know, working out how to do it and supporting yourselves through it, not just in a room, but also online. And there's some you know ways to do that. But now you've got, okay, you've got two thirds of the pyramid built, right? Which is almost at your 80%. Right. And then this top part is for the people who do not get better from all those kind of things, because not only do we live in a stress environment, a food environment, whatever, but we have like pathogens. There's like, there's all kinds of stuff going on. There's that heavy metals, environmental toxicity, pesticides, you name it. So we do need this like 
you know, this, not the top of the triangle, but that last segment is like practitioners like yourself who can go deep with people who have not been got better out of all of those stuff. And then the very top, the top of the pyramid is drugs and surgery. And it's related, it's, it's left to the place where it's relevant. Like we've got an incredible drugs and surgery system in America. They're very good at it, but they're just doing everything. And if we could just put them in the place of like the pathogenic part where they can take care of the places that do the acute needs, everyone's happy because those people are annoyed that they're buried under the weight of having to treat all the people that have lifestyle diseases with the medication. The only people that are winning from that is like the hospital systems and the owners, right? And, and the pharma and, you know, the insurance companies, but the doctors don't like it. The doctors don't want it. And so, you know, part of the model that we've been doing is, is teaching people to break out of that system. And ultimately, how do you pay for that top part? It's community activated at a new level, and that's medical cost sharing. And it's basically communities of people coming together to say, hey, David, if you get hit by a car this afternoon, we got your back. And we're going to get the lowest price. We're going to negotiate in the system. We're going to get the lowest price. But you're part of a supportive community that has your back, you're safe, and your costs will be taken care of in a moment that you need them. And that is a fully integrated community model where community is present at every part of it. And it looks like a pyramid, but it's actually concentric circles. We're, we're in total alignment there. Um, I, would, I do want to hear about your five C's, but I wanted to say regarding the cost sharing, I think it already exists to some extent. Like, for example, I'm self-employed and I don't have regular insurance. What I am part of is a something that you're talking about is I'm part of something called Christian Healthcare Ministries. Yep. And they help if... Uh, if I need that kind of thing. And exactly it. And that's a great model. And that's where it came from. And it's a, it's the most American idea in the world, right? A church doing it by itself, but it's great. And I think think there are laws now that are going to allow it to expand beyond religious based groups. And so that's really exciting. I, I really recommend people look into that. Um, And just, it's better to just pay a low cost for that and then use the difference to, invest in your wellness. Um, uh, would you be willing to talk about the five C's? Yeah, so let's just jump into it. So the overarching C, which is the outside circle, is culture. And you've got to create a culture of health, right? People have to be healthy. And you know you have to make it cool to be healthy. And you have to engage people into healthy behaviors. People have to be able to resist the outside world. And they, you have to create an internal culture of health. Right. And, and each one of these C's gets more expensive as you go in. So the, the culture is the cheapest. You can do it with content, you can do it with podcasts, you can do it with videos, you do it with audio, you can do it all those kind of things. It's basically free to deliver to everyone. The next C inside is community. And that is, you know, that is the groups, basically getting people in groups, having people make it easy for them to support the culture. Right. How do you have people support the healthy culture? They get in groups. The cost of community is very small. It's not as expensive as anything. It's the second most cheapest expense, you know, uh, uh, focus. And many of these healthy groups are free. You know, so there's a, there's a, there's a group in 
Um, I mentioned Dean Ornish earlier, right? That program is quite intense to go through. There's a group in um, the plant-based nutrition support group in, um, in Detroit. It's, you know, it's 7,000 mainly men who all have heart disease or want to try and avoid, avoid, avoid heart disease and get together a couple times a, uh, a month, you know, in small groups and connect. It's free. And it's just about helping each other be healthy. So how, are people, uh, how are people finding out about these particular groups? You know, locally where they, they exist, but, you know, that, that's one of the limitations online. You know, you have to use online tools to create offline connections. So we have to, you know, find those, those kind of things. The next C is coaching. So coaching is just this like more affordable layer of behavior change for people who, who need that one-on-one -on -one attention um, and aren't getting it through the group. Then the middle, the, the next circle is care. So that would probably be your care, David, you know, the care of a doctor who can help to get resolution and get people back into the outer circles. And then the middle C is cost sharing. So that's, you know, cost sharing for, you know, for acute issues that come to, you know, come, come together. So those are the five C's. And ultimately the goal of the five C's is to maximize health span and minimize cost. I love this. Is this, uh, is this model your creation? It is. Great. Um, do I have your permission to share it with people? Absolutely, yeah. That's great. I love that. That's uh, really, really brilliant. Um, so um, in the time we have left, I want to make sure that a couple of things. One is I want to make sure you have a chance to bring up anything you want us to talk about. And then secondly, I want to... Um, give you a chance to give whatever contact information you have and let people know about opportunities they can connect with you and what you're creating. And then thirdly, I wanted to ask you, um, uh, I was going to ask you two questions. I was going to say, what are you most excited about these days? But probably it's what we've been talking about. Yeah, can you tell? What, the other question I was going to ask was the other side of that is uh, what right now are you finding is your major challenge or thing you're struggling with? Um, and you could take that either in general or in relation to your professional life, because I think those of us that are on the cutting edge, it's really important for us to share about our challenges as well. Yeah. Well, look, first and foremost, you know, jamesmaskell.com. You can get in touch with me there. The book comes out the 14th of January. It'll be free for the week of the 14th of January to get on PDF and Kindle. We want to try and get this book to as many people as possible. If you really are energized by this, I would love for you to get a, a few copies of the book and you can um, send it to me. Uh, you can give it to, you know, doctors and health administrators in your system, like, in, in San Francisco area, like I'd love to meet the CEO of Kaiser. He's in the book and talk about, you know, rolling out these kind of empowerment group visits across the whole system. So, you know, that's, that's where we could go. Go evomed.com, uh, G-O-E-V-O-M-E-D.com is the, is the business, uh, the evolution of medicine, and you can get in touch there. Um, we've done a monthly show for the last six years called the functional forum, which is the first Monday of every month. If you go to functionalforum.com, um, you can go and see that. 
But yeah, like what I'm excited about is this, like I'm excited about the book. I'm excited about sending this energy out into the system and to be able to take advantage of the power of community. You know, one of my biggest struggles, David, at this moment is, you know, we're still very much in the fading moments of um, this era where it's about domination and control. And so, you know, I think that there's going to be some rough times ahead as we, as we end the story of separation and we move into the story of interbeing and we're in the space between stories right now where the old thing is broken and the new thing hasn't quite emerged and we're just stuck in the middle and it's going to be painful. And there's a lot of pain, you know, uh, for me on being connected and and sort of like having situations where the old thing is is rearing its ugly head even in myself or in people that I work with or otherwise and so you know I'm taking action to be able to not be bound by those old rules so I don't have a therapist I have a men's group I don't go to a personal trainer I go to CrossFit because it's about investing in the groups that we see are you know investing in the group model in the way that i'm talking about it so that's that's what i see um you know you could see that at the political level you know you could see that at each of our in in our own level and in probably in businesses where people work Uh, it's going to be a rough transition but i feel like there's enough people who get it and i hope that um if you if this if this resonates that you'll find a way to, um, to be part of it, either by starting a group, being part of a group, running a group. And um, yeah, I, I appreciate the opportunity to come and share with your community, David. James, could you spell your last name for people? It's Maskell, M-A-S-K-E-L-L. And then could you go over again, because that was a very generous offer you made. Could you go over the details of the offer about the timing of how people can get the electronic version of your book for free and when and where? Yeah, the best way to, to just go to functionalforum.com or go evomed.com and just register for something and get give us your email address and we'll keep you up to date. But yeah, the 14th to the 18th of January, the book will be available for free on can, um, Kindle and uh, you, you know downloadable. So that's that's where you can get it for free. And then you can listen to the audio book. Um, you can buy the book and we're going to have a, a way that you can buy like multiple copies of the book to give to local doctors or health systems. So the best way to stay in touch is just to come on to either functionalforum.com or go evomed.com and put your email in there and we'll be in touch. And could you say the name of the book again? It's called the community cure transforming health outcomes together. I love it. Uh, just a question about the process of writing a book. I've, uh, I've gotten my toe in the water a couple of times and found it overwhelming. Um, are you able to, are you just a naturally gifted writer and you just do it by yourself or are you working? Close uh, I, have a, I have a support team. The way that I found to do it, David, is just to, is, is to talk, you know, I'm a talker. So, you know, to once you, you need some help, I think in getting the structure of like getting the book in, but then I was just like interviewed about it. And then you say 10,000 words an hour if you speak. 
you know, it's ultimately, you can get a lot of words out well. And so I was interviewed, then you just, you know, once it's out on paper, it's easy to edit. Um, just starting from scratch is, is hard. So that's why I like to be interviewed and, and um, to have a transcribe. You edit it yourself or you have an editor? I'm working with an editor. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, James, thank you so much for uh, your yeah, time and your, your caring and your vision and your commitment and your generosity and sharing. And um, I'm really glad you're on the planet. I'm glad you're a friend of mine. And, uh, Thanks for doing this. Uh, Let me just formally close out the show for today. So ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening or watching uh, another edition of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. I'm your host, Dr. David, the Cutting Edge Doc, and here on Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul, we do in-depth interviews with individuals that are doing cutting edge work in the areas of healing or spirituality or social transformation. Today, I've been interviewing James Maskell, and we've been talking about a lot of things, but basically, we've been really focused on how to empower people to become healthier and acknowledging that it happens in the context of relationship and community and getting real about behavioral change and what's needed to support doctors in being a part of this and empowering people to um, get as healthy as they can, as quickly as they can, and as affordably as they can. And so grateful for that. And with that, we'll close with love and peace. Bye for now. for joining us for today's episode of freeing the body freeing the soul to access all episodes including show notes go to cuttingedgedoc.com that's cuttingedgedoc.com lastly if you love today's show you can support dr david his work and the show by going over to itunes and giving a five-star rating and a heartfelt comment Thank you again for joining us today and for your commitment to freeing the body, freeing the soul.